0: Wonderfully done. A wholesome show about sex,
1: communication, and loving yourself. I'm Lauren. And I am the ultra gorgeous and cool Vix. It's great when you can do your own intro and you can say whatever the fuck you like about yourself. Me and Lauren are two cool, cute, queer babes uh, living in Australia who are really passionate about sex, connection, knowing ourselves better, asking ourselves important, curious questions. So making a podcast, exploring those topics seemed like a no-brainer. In today's episodes, we have a few different delicious little treaty wheats for you. We have pegging and sucking strap-ons. We have self-esteem, confidence sexual freedom and we got a whole lot of lashings and practical advice in those areas as well as some reflections on the show and some thank yous because look my babies it is the end of season two and this will be our final episode of this season So with
0: Wonderfully Done, what we like to offer listeners is a real conversation space. We like to make it as much of a shame-free zone as possible. We are very messy, vulnerable, personal, raw, with personal experiences, thoughts, feelings, all of that good stuff making this entire show is an exercise in us working on our shame issues and we want to share the same experience to you it's really important to note that as much as we are extremely enthusiastic amateurs we are not professionals in any way we are not doctors counselors uh, psychologists or sex therapists we're really just like your friend that you can just ask about the weird stuff ask about that weird kink that you just accidentally saw and maybe you're a little bit interested in And as Vic said, we are super excited that today is pretty much our one year anniversary while we're recording. So for those that have been there from the jump, thank you so much. And if this is your first little foray into the wonderfully done world, we really hope you're going to stick around. So, we're about to jump into some gorgeous, juicy questions, but I just wanted to let everybody know we do have an Instagram. So, you can go over and follow us while you listen, uh, because I know you're all gorgeous little multitaskers. You can hop on over to at wonderfully done show at Instagram, and we can also take your questions there. So, let's get on with the podcast.
1: Wonderfully done. I'm embarrassed just writing this, but I really want to peg my boyfriend. Or at least get a strap on and have him perform oral sex on it. He says he's uncomfortable because it would be like I'm a man. But that's not what I want it to be like. I just want to see it as a sex toy situation, not like a gender fantasy. How do I try and explain this to him? Do you think I would ever be able to get him to try it? So I think that this listener is not alone, right?
0: Even when I chatted to the fantastic Nikki Darling running a sex toy store, they were saying it is the year of pegging. Pegging has become very popular. Strap-ons have become very popular there's entire peg talk, right, Vix. We see it all the time.
1: I, am, I fucking love peg talk. <laughs> there is nothing better than like harboring these like what have felt maybe like slightly more secret fantasies or things that, yeah, one is kind of like nervous to, to bring up the butt, if you like, sleeping with you know, men sometimes. like but uh, it's kind of really like, oh, heartening to see that actually there's a whole bunch of people who are really interested in that.
0: So you're not alone i think there'll probably be lots of people all over the internet that are also interested i think it's great that this listener is being honest that there are people in the relationship that maybe both aren't on the same page immediately which i think is actually more common a lot of the time people are like here's this niche sexual activity we're both super into it and go sort of thing but sometimes you need to sort of introduce an idea of something and sort of chat through it. And there can be a little bit of hesitation. I would say one of the really good things is for both partners to sit down, not think about it as a disagreement, but do a little bit of sharing. One, what is sexy about it for her? And two, what is confronting about it for him? And it's not a conversation about agreeing to do something, but just saying we're just going to have a conversation about feelings that we're both having about this.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? It's like treating treating it with curiosity instead of being defensive or frightened, fear response. Because, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right, with kind of like in interests in in bed and like other spaces in our lives. Like, I think, I don't know if any of us actually know all the things that we like or that we might like. Some of, especially in these kinds of areas where there's baggage and hang ups. And I think, especially sort of in this area, there seems to be this like big fear of like, because I like something touching my butthole, that means I'm gay, (laughs) you know? Um, And sort of, it sucks. It sucks so hard that people feel like they can't fully explore what physical sensations or mental. I guess, games scenarios that they might enjoy because they're afraid that it will mean something more than I think it actually does.
0: Yeah, anxiety getting in the way of something that could be super fun, and that might be something that is happening here. Because if I think about a lot of what I can find on Pornhub and stuff like that to do with strap-ons, it's really aggressive stuff, it's really femdom stuff, it's really shaming the man a whole lot of the time and it might just be that any time your boyfriend has seen things to do with a woman wearing a strap and a guy it's been really hardcore and maybe that's not the vibe that you're looking for so Maybe being able to share some porn examples of saying, I think this is really sexy and this is why I think it's really sexy. And for you to think a little bit more about why it would be sexy for you. Is it just that it's quite physically different? Is it just that you'd get to see something a little bit different? I mean, something that I really like about the strap is that you get more visuals because if someone is giving me head, their face is just down somewhere and um when there's a quote unquote outie situation you get different visuals and it's and it's delightful you know you, they might be interested in that they might be interested in something different but i think they do have to unpack a little bit more because the trepidation might be coming from it being a really degrading thing
1: i think it's interesting too sort of like you know stepping back and like looking at the word pegging cuz it sort of it generally has um i'd say like the most widely understood interpretation is really generally reserved for for a woman specifically penetrating a cis het man anally and you know i was listening to another sex podcast one that i have been getting really really into called why are people into that and they did a episode specifically on pegging and they had a really interesting discussion around it because it's sort of like when you break it down pegging generally is just anal sex like it doesn't kind of need to have this like special name in the way that it's like pegging almost like it's got a lot of sort of hang up stuff in it and I think sort of like to Lauren's point sort of like around like pretty aggressive femme dom porn like if you heavily associate a word with that I think it's I think it's pretty hard to separate that. I see in all spaces in life people just sort of they look at a word and it's like it it clearly means and is interpreted by a lot of people to mean one thing and I I, I you can't just decide it doesn't. So like perhaps it's maybe even sort of like that word that's a problem because that's the thing is like this framing like it doesn't have to be femdom. It doesn't actually even have to be Dominant. I feel like that's (laughs) an interesting thing. I think, especially sort of like in hit coupling, is that, uh, you know, this assumption that like to be the penetrator or the giver in the scenario means that you're dominant. Because that's the thing, it's like when you are, you know, the whole, <laughs> shall we say, <laughs> you're like sort of like consuming that person. And is that not an incredibly dominant act in yourself? Like a lot of the sort of like mental gymnastics or feeling or vibes in the room, like it can mean all different kinds of things. So. Yeah, I think when you're when you're thinking about wanting to to get into someone's butthole that maybe isn't <laughs> super experienced with that or maybe has some hang up. Yeah, sort of like fun to to step right, right back, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways to try and approach it. I mean, you could you could buy some kind of a strap that's not very quote unquote intimidating, that's like quite like small, manageable, not some sort of huge monster or something that might Bring up some size anxiety or something you could just wear the strap while the partner doesn't interact with it it's just kind of there and it's on you while you're getting your chest played with or you give them head or something and it just kind of normalizes it and shows them like I'm still the same person our vibe can still feel very much the same it's just there it's just an accessory it's just a sex toy that's in the room uh if you're really interested in having like a like your partner, sort of suck on something or have their mouth on something, you could just use like two fingers and just in their mouth, sort of thing, and just assume the position kind of thing. And it's more like that sort of vibe and see if that's maybe a bit more comfortable for them because it's maybe not so phallic. And there's just so many different ways to kind of approach it. But that said, you know, if someone is just not interested in something or and they're really uncomfortable. They don't have to. It's not a woke thing that every dude must be willing to, like, receive anal sex or, you know, suck a a phallic phallic strap. I mean, it's not an obligation. It's not something that your partner owes you. It's just something that maybe you could work towards experimenting. Maybe it can be an ongoing conversation. But if he's really uncomfortable, uh, definitely don't force it as well. Because I think sometimes people can feel like they're just obligated to have everything new and exciting like on the table because it's fashionable right
1: yeah very much so and I guess it's thinking about like what other ways can you explore I guess in your solo sex um your fantasies or interests in this area, whether it's like indulging in some real dope porn of that kind and having some really luxury mezzes. I don't know what the setup of your relationship is.
0: Yeah, I think that it's great that this person has something that they're curious about. They're interested in talking to their partner. It's good that their partner has been honest about having some hesitation. And I would just say, you know, to wrap up for this partnership to basically not make it an argument just have a conversation where it's not about a disagreement it's not about making someone agree to something but just having more ongoing conversations about Why does this person like it? Why does this person feel hesitant? Can we talk about it a bit more? And maybe there are some curious things you can do that can give you a taste of some of this experience. What could you do to empower your partner if your partner is interested but a bit hesitant? Could they look at buying the strap? Could they look at being quite involved in the situation? Can they suggest to you how they might be open to trying it? And just make sure that you're practicing consent throughout. And if it's truly not for him, then it can truly not be for him. And we support you fulfilling that in other ways, whether it's a maz, just wear it while you jack off yourself. Like there's lots of things you can do. So onwards and upwards from here.
1: Another thing that I just really sort of like to call out with part of the way that this question was phrased, I'm sort of talking about it not being a gender fantasy. And I just, I think it's really important to call out that sort of like penis, phallic object, Audis, like they're not inherently male men. Uh, and I think it's really helpful sort of like when talking about these these objects or parts like removing the specific genitals or for, you know, Gender and sex, like those are separate, especially when we're talking about things like, yeah, a a strap and a dildo of some description. Like, it's for anybody that would like to have that in a hole around their person, and someone that would like to be placing that in and around someone. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess it's time to jump into our next question. Well, really, I should stay. It's a number of questions. This is a meaty, meaty baby. Dear Wonderfully Done, me and my wife are listening to your podcast and love it a lot, and we've got a question related to self-esteem. Were you always so confident about your own body, and did you always understand that you were sexually free and were you always aware of your desires? If not, how do you achieve that state of mind? How can you gain an understanding that you're beautiful and valid? Do you have any practical advice? I want to zoom straight into the
0: part of the question where they ask, were you always so confident about your own body, etc.? It's a huge no. It's It's an enormous no. I was not always so confident. And this question comes when I am at a low point. It is not some linear thing where you just get levels and you just get better it absolutely ebbs and flows and with everything that's been happening with life and the pandemic and lockdown body changes function changes some people go through pregnancy all sorts of stuff your relationship with your body and how you feel about it and even how society treats it totally changes so no it's not a situation where you're not confident now and you can never be confident People do not spring fully formed and completely confident. Uh, most people have got battle scars, and we're totally examples, right, Vix?
1: Uh, Very much so. I definitely know that this is, you know, a topic that we enjoy talking about on the pod quite a bit uh, and something that we talk about a lot in our friendship and especially a lot lately, like uh, the TLDR for, I guess, people that have maybe listened to less body focused episodes is, you know, I have to say in absolute terms, like I absolutely feel fucking loathed my body. I was totally disconnected from it. I looked at it as an object of uh, hatred, and just disgusting, horrible, Uh, the thing that held me back from everything that I wanted in my life. The reason that people didn't treat me the way that I wanted to be treated. Yeah, just sort of feeling like I couldn't be happy until it was different, and I couldn't have the things that I wanted until it was different, and that I didn't deserve the things that I wanted until things were different. And you know, I have to say, was straight up pretty fucking fatphobic, which, I mean, shouldn't be a surprise. I feel like that is an absolute epicenter of uh, deep unhappiness with bodies in general. Like, I feel like people are maybe just like more hesitant to call it that. I think it's definitely something that I always found shocking, even, well, (laughs) when I I didn't like myself and I was fat, that it was... Something that people seemed the most afraid of being. Like, not afraid of being, you know, awful or sexist or, you know, racist or, like, a bigot. All these, like, horrible things. was it's like, the worst thing that I could be would be fat. And I feel like that's just really harks deeply to people know how you would be treated. I feel like people act all the time like they're like, oh, like, I'm quite quite shocked and surprised by some of these stories that you tell me and it's like I don't know if you really are maybe this is on subconscious levels but like people people know so I guess <laughs> that's a fun one the, you know, thinking about my body and how I felt about it was something that I worked on very, very specifically for quite a number of years, I would say above my career, like it was my number one focus. And as Lauren mentioned, like where, where is one at today? Uh, after the pandemic, I, I genuinely feel like at this time that I've gone backwards in my body feelings journey, which feels deeply uncomfortable. I'm seeing thoughts and feelings that used to plague my mind every single day coming back spontaneously, which is so different from the other spontaneous thoughts that had been building over the last few years, which were more things around like, you deserve to be happy, you look beautiful today. Wow, you know, my fat ass looks really nice. Like, and I like that it is fat and I like how these rolls of flesh are coming together and seeing other fat people and loving how their bodies look. It's a real uncomfortable time, to be quite honest with you.
0: Yeah, it's a real... Messed up spaghetti, it's very painful, it's very difficult. Uh, Listener, if you feel like we're just coming out of the gates running, it's because the question came at a very, you know, as I say, like just not a linear, not an uptime. And sometimes I've had really uptimes and i felt super good. And Vic's talking about investing so much time and energy and effort. I think for me, it came from me just realising that misery about my human body and the way it looked and how people would feel about it was almost universal across all of the women that I went to school with, because I went to like an all-girls school the the widespread eating disorders, the body image issues, like the, the family bullying that was happening, the super unhealthy stuff, the self-harm, everything that was happening. I could see that it wasn't even about me as an individual. I could see that every woman that had what I wanted, you know, that was slender, that was small, that was blonde, that was whatever else. She was also miserable. So I knew that it's... It's tied in with feminism, it's tied in with misogyny, it's tied in with who makes money off the way I feel about myself, And I was just, honestly a lot of it was kind of spite. I was like, I could be a classical violinist with all the energy and the time that I have spent being miserable about my appearance. It's also not about me individually because every woman I know feels like this to a certain degree. And I just kind of got angry. I just got really angry. And then also having people who I respected the most in my life and my best friends Being people that had bodies that society was like, no, 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 no. And seeing them be happy and seeing me respect them and me being like, actually, I want to be more like them uh, really helped. Like it still made a little bit of space for me to be like, it's okay if not everyone's super attracted to me. Uh, And just being like, yeah, a weight wasn't going to make me feel better. I got in a relationship and the relationship didn't solve it. You know, I could get the most attractive girl in school to make out with me that also didn't magically solve it. And I just kind of figured out that it was going to come from myself and it was going to come from me learning to disrespect the shitty things that were happening societally and the message that I was being sent and things like that. So I would say sometimes I manage to access some body confidence, but I still have huge body issues. I still have huge shame issues. I still have issues around food. And then when we come into the element of being sexually free and being aware of desires, I think I have made more progress because I understood from a teenage time that I wasn't straight. And I think that sort of broke open the door for me to be more open to consider other things because I was in a horrible binary state of being straight passing but actually being queer and it took so much pain and suffering and misery and awfulness to actually break through that one barrier but once I broke that barrier I was like I'm already a monster, I'm already transgressive, I'm already wrong to a lot of people. So I'll just fucking throw myself in the kiddie pool, so to speak.
1: <laughs> Man, it makes me so sad to think I still haven't broken through that wall yet. In some ways, I still feel like I'm on the precipice, or I've done gentle steps over, but like haven't fully embraced. Like, cause just so much of my, you know, sexual world has been like, um, just just dating and fucking men, like. And I think, you know, talking about sexual freedom, like I think how I think and feel about it has changed a lot, um, but it continues to change. And I think it needs to continue to change for me to be able to fully embrace who I want to be. Like, I I would say, like, that's the thing about being truly sexual free is it, it means that you can partake or not partake with whatever level of thing you feel comfortable at whatever time I feel like so often how being sexually free is interpreted is you know connected immediately to hypersexuality which I mean I am hypersexual but the more that I learn that it's actually okay for me to fall at different places on that scale at different time I would say the freer that I do feel because whenever I have had times of like feeling I guess sexually strange and like not myself and I'm like what's wrong with me something has to be wrong I think it really was going to their ice workshop last year and and I think it really just switched the light on in my head for like so much of the the thinking behind that and how people feel really is you know like like true sexual liberation to like live the life that you want to live and sex maybe is, isn't a part of it and like either of those are okay and in that way you are free. Yeah, I think sometimes sort of like in the world of being a hypersexual fat woman, sometimes I'm like, am I hypersexual or did I just feel like that was all I had to offer men and when most men didn't look at me or weren't very nice to me um, and that was a way that you could sort of like hook people in and like, as I get older, I'm like, D- did I actually want to have sex or actually did I, want, did I want like tender intimacy of things like cuddles and kisses and being close and soft and, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I think a lot of that is actually always been what I'm more interested in, but I just, I didn't know that scale. So absolutely not sexually free. And <laughs> yeah, there's still a lot of things that I'm extremely interested in doing that, I don't fully admit to myself and I don't talk to other people about and I don't engage in and I feel like I'm not when I'm having sex actually having the sex I want to have so I don't actually that's you know makes me feel a bit like crying talking about um, to sort of like put it so plainly but yeah I think sexual repression is still having an immense effect on my life even though maybe from the outside it might look like I'm a lot more free than I actually am I think a lot of people look at us or look at the show and are like, they've got it all figured
0: out and they're having all this sex and they're having all these like cool like sexy adventures and stuff like that. It's like, I myself am not a hugely sexual person. I'm not someone that has an immense amount of sex. Like, I invest deeply in these areas because I've got so much damage to sort of overcome and there's so much that relationships and dating and sex can teach me about myself and there's still so much I don't understand or that alarms me and there's still so much I'm learning to do. So things like the podcast is me sort of teasing it out. Vix and I aren't here to help people just have more sex. Vix and I aren't here to encourage people to have more extreme sex. We're here to help people just try and understand themselves a little bit more or ask themselves interesting questions or think interesting things because we've done that. Like a sexual utopia is not one in which everyone is fucking all the time. It's where people, you know, there isn't moral judgments based on a lot of completely harmless things that people are interested in, like there's just so many different uh, elements to this. And just thinking about all the things that have, you know, variously harmed or been hard for Vix and I, something that is transformative and super important is when you can find other people, when you can find people living full, happy, non-threatened, non-miserable lives that share some qualities with you or feel closer to having some of the same values as you or the same appearances as you. For me, like, seeing queer people, seeing disabled people, seeing polyam people, seeing, like, mid-sized, seeing fat, seeing brown, seeing everything, and seeing them with uh, self-respecting relationships, with loving relationships, like, it gives you a little bit more room because I can tell you right now, like, Being the biggest person in the room, being the queerest person in a space, being the, you know, being the most sexually weird person all the time is just super exhausting. There's lots of little microaggressions that happen. There's lots of exhaustingness that happens. And I can't overstate how restorative it is to be in spaces and communities and friendships where... A whole lot of things about me that I've struggled with are normalized or shared with other people and things like that. It just makes an enormous difference. So if this listener um, and their wife feel like they're alone in a lot of these struggles, I would really encourage them to try and have really vulnerable conversations with people they care about. How do they feel about their bodies? Do they feel sexually free? You know, It's really great if you can practice having conversations about sex, not only with people that you want to have sex with. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah no very much I, I think like thinking about sexual freedom like what does sexual freedom mean to you and I think it is really interesting to find out what does it mean to the people in your life or the communities that you're part of and you know speaking to like yeah I guess finding freedom through connection like that's definitely something as like Lauren and I's relationship have developed and it's sort of you know when you're I haven't lived in Australia for a super long I've lived here for about four years um, and luckily men. Lauren very very early into me living here um but like it still takes a really long time even even when you're pretty pretty good at getting vulnerable which I think is something that I was good at as soon as I arrived um yeah it it takes time to sort of like feel out how deep you can sort of go in different areas and I think like having things like wonderfully done is has helped us maybe go much deeper in a lot of areas a lot faster but like the more i find out about the the way lauren's brain works and the way she interacts with the world around her like yeah the more free i feel to be able to explore more and to try things on yeah i think yeah, it's the connection with other people there. And like, because me and Lauren don't have a sexual relationship. Like, we have a platonic relationship, but it's sort of like the sexual exploration that I have with Lauren in non sexual ways is like hugely impactful for at least how I personally feel about my sexual freedom.
0: Yeah, totally. Pe- like, and I think there's so many people out there that would be like Lauren gives Vic sex toys and like we spoon and cuddle in bed. Of course, it's a sexual relationship. And it's like, it is, but it's not how you're thinking. <laughs> <That> <laughs> kind of situation. And it's like, you know, letting a relationship be exactly what it's going to be and being like, you know, and just allowing it and allowing yourself the fascination, allowing yourself the enjoyment. I would try and bring that same openness and compassion to your relationship with your own body and just say, we're gonna have a great relationship sometimes and I want to invest in that relationship I have with myself. That's a big thing that Vix and I work on that I still feel a lot of difficulty with is like you absolutely will have to it's not gonna be some external thing. You're not going to lose weight, you're not going to get that job, you're not going to buy a hot outfit and then everything's solved. You're going to need to do lots of investigation with yourself, work on the relationship with yourself. There's lots of things you can do in terms of trying to enjoy and normalize your own self sexually, to sexualize yourself as an individual without involvement with other people. Things like you're beautiful and valid. Those can even just be mantras that you can say to yourself. You can just repeat these things. And if you're someone who has said very very hurtful, very negative things to yourself because you felt like it was the right thing to do, you were encouraged to do it, that can actually feel more comfortable than saying really positive things about yourself. And if you're in that sort of state, trying to actually say that to yourself, trying to, you know, even just being like, I really like my eyes, you might have a really hard time trying to accept your entire self, but how could you break that down a little bit to say, I love how this body part looks in this outfit, I love myself in this photo, I appreciate my body for everything it's gotten through. Like, I would say, you know, the listener is asking for practical advice. Books like um, Intuitive Eating, which is a textbook that has, I've talked about on other episodes, that has two authors. Just look up the Intuitive Eating textbook or something like that. That's really helpful in terms of thinking about your relationship to food, your relationship with eating, trying to make it more mindful, trying to not have it be... A toxic cycle of like punishment and reward and everything i really encourage that uh the book health at every size is also really good at decoupling your body from shame or guilt and understanding how other people make money off the way that you hate yourself or the way that you judge yourself or see yourself as falling short those mind shift helps uh have really helped me when things have been good for me Body acceptance and body positivity and even just body neutrality as movements are also really good. If you're coming from a really judgmental, very inflamed place, flinging yourself all the way to like confidence and I'm beautiful and everything feels like a million, million miles away. It can just take a really long time, you know, as as Vix and I have been saying.
1: Yeah, I think that's too sort of like around the self-love movement. Like there's so much pressure for this like you outright like must love yourself out of the fucking blue. When it's just kind of like you've literally wired your brain for your entire life to think about yourself negatively. And that starts as messages other people give you. But the really hard thing to realize is that it is you that creates the ceiling that then you limit yourself with and not to say that then the the continued way that you're maybe treated in different ways in life doesn't like reinforce that of course it does but like the person that has the biggest impact for better or worse is you and you know when i first learned that it made me so upset but the great thing about that also is it also means you have the power to break that fucking ceiling and to change how you think about yourself. And it's like, every time you speak to yourself with kindness, like let's say when you see yourself in the mirror uh, and it's so easy for it to be a negative thought. And I guess a practical thing that I started doing was like trying to catch that thinking and actually be like, no, you're like literally reteaching your brain how to think about you. In that way, it just takes time it really takes time and i think it's too like important the way other people talk about their bodies in front of us can also like further solidify our thinking as well as you know solidifying their thinking and i think even though sometimes it's uncomfortable it's kind of important to like call that out like lauren is somebody that i i would say i talk about myself Most like pretty positively but there are definite there's still a strong recurring like negativity that I let slip out and you know Lauren calls me up and suggests or encourages me to like be kinder to myself so I think it's sort of like creating those networks around you as well as Yeah, really thinking about how you think about yourself. I think also that you know neutrality (laughs) is really important. A really, I think I don't know sometimes how I feel about the self-love movement honestly because like it's a really watered down, changed version essentially of fat liberation, which is definitely if you are someone who is fat or have had feelings about fatness. I seriously encourage you to go and have a dig in there it's it's a little it's a little bit less fluffy and a little bit more you have a fucking right to live you know um yeah uh i i think it's i think it's i think it's really important and the more i lean i think i would probably say i'm less like body posy as i am you know fat liberation yeah, body posse I think, is
0: like a little bit of a starting place where some people are like, other things are beautiful, you know, and it's that is kind of a bit of a 101 And I think it can help a lot of people. I think it's great to like, I just had a look at everything in my life, everything with social media. And I was like, if this person makes me feel bad about how I look, I am letting go of it. I am blocking them. I am like, if they were a friend, but talking to them or having a relationship with them was really setting things off for me because of the way they talked about food, the way that they were really treating themselves. If I wasn't super close with them, I was like, I need to not because it's actually it's almost like a critical load where there's scales of me feeling good and bad. And some people would put weight on the wrong side for me. And so for me, like. Moving out of a family home where there was lots of really hostile self-talk, lots of like really bad, difficult eating behaviors and things like that, that to get away from that and not living with other people that had food problems just gave me a breath to kind of think about everything again. I dropped different friendships. I purged so much stuff from my Instagram. I put a lot of fat bodies in my Instagram and in my TikTok both because I'm like this is really this is really attractive to me but also it just I when I would see them I just wouldn't clench my stomach anymore like I would just be that fraction more comfortable and things like that. And we don't know what this listener and their husband, sorry, and their wife are coming from, but you know, fat phobia and relationships with food and things has really been a driving factor for me. So I'm focusing on that a whole lot. And even just the, the element of like, you're beautiful and valid. It's like, it's not even important for you to be beautiful. You don't owe the world being beautiful. Other people finding you beautiful does not actually damage your own value. Other people sexually desiring you is not a requirement for you to feel happy. Those are things that can feel impossible and I still struggle with them. But they're also things that are true. So have a look at how the people in your life make you feel. And if they're adding weights to the wrong side, really rethink those relationships and seek out the ones that do make you feel really good. And for me, queer community is inherently more flexible and resilient and you know, just uh, accepting and diverse and things in a way that has enormously helped me and I think has helped other people, um, even if they're sort of more in the straight realm, but they get involved in very queer things like cabaret or, you know, pole dancing or roller derby or things like that, where I feel like the queers can uh, help the straights in a lot of ways, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this always makes me think about um, how... A lot of people probably haven't seen a lot of different kinds of bodies be sort of sexual or sexualized or, you know, not just like the the butt of the joke or the plot device. <laughs> like, So I think sort of like to Lauren's point, like a serious practical tip, if you are a social media person, fill your spaces in your life with all different kinds of people, with different kinds of people. With different kinds of bodies doing different kinds of things, you know, because like man, it is is definitely been uh, like incredibly like healing and exciting seeing uh, increasingly like fat bodies doing different kinds of things. Uh, I watched this uh, TV soap sort of show recently called Shrill which just made me absolutely fucking cry in a couple of episodes um, because the protagonist is a fat woman and it's not a fucking joke it's just her living her fucking life like and it really does it it begins in a hard place because it begins with a lot of the really hard thinking but a lot of the show was about her deciding to give a lot less fucks and I was just very fucking... Exciting, I think, too, it's really important to note sort of like resetting that idea that self-confidence and self-esteem is a destination that we arrive at. That is just not how it works. Like, it is a forever ebb and flow that will continue highly likely for the rest of your life. I mean, like, I do hope to get to maybe, you know, an older age and my fucks run out. <laughs> In a pretty fucking significant way like that seems really nice to me but I like to think that it's sort of like a garden you water it all the time like sometimes it flowers sometimes it doesn't and the most important thing really is to like be compassionate with yourself that you you might not be thinking in your higher self way at every fucking moment like life is hard lots of different things happen there are so many different variables especially in the state that the world is right now mid 2021 wow everybody really needs to dig deep for the energy that they do have and direct it to being compassionate with themselves because everybody has been through (laughs) what a fucking time
0: (laughs) Truly, truly. And one a parting thing for me is just something practical that very much helped me was an encouragement that a friend gave to me to say, when I go out in the world, I am not offering myself up for acceptance. I go out as a whole human being. I'm not here to have a conversation about my worth with other people. I'm certainly not here to have a negotiation on my attractiveness with random men. What's really hard is that a patriarchal society makes us feel like we are less safe, we are less valued, we are less just worthy if the dominant group does not approve of us. So that's actually a very hostile environment to live in sometimes. So if you're well-resourced and if your community doesn't have a really hostile power broker at the top that hates everything that you are everything else below it gets a lot more healthy and happy. So I'm speaking in some abstractions, but hopefully it makes sense. Just going, just knowing that you can go out in the world when you feel beautiful and valid, it does have a spill on effect. Just when you see a photo of yourself genuinely happy, genuinely relaxed, most of the time yourself and other people will find you more attractive. That is not the most important thing a lot of the time but it is can be a really good deciding factor in you choosing to invest in your own happiness, like just genuinely what makes you happy. So, yeah, wow. thank you so much for going <laughs> on the
1: journey and asking the good questions, listener. I haven't heard you say a lot of this before, to be honest. I feel like you've been fucking holding back from me.
0: <laughs> How very
1: dear. Wow. Yeah, what would my life look like if I didn't go out seeking acceptance and I'm just like, this is what it is. I mean, I feel like I have in past, but maybe. Wow, sorry. You know when just people say a certain statement and just like smacks you in the face, and you're just like, "Holy shit!" (laughs) I mean, not that that's like something that doesn't happen often in our conversations, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Ah, It's why we love our relationship.
0: And you know, some days I'm there as a person, and some days I'm super not there as a person, and that's probably one of the most important things as vic says like it's not a destination it's a journey choose to invest in yourself you will see a benefit like it if you can figure out what is helpful for you what makes progress for you i encourage you to have more conversations with other people about this there's no quick fix but it's it's going to be one of the best things you've ever done like me trying to help myself get through so much of this stuff and treat my shame and go to therapy and everything has been something that has made the biggest impact on my, like on my life and on my health, even though I'm coming from a not great point right now, it's still so much better than when I was like 15.
1: (laughs) So yeah, very much so. And I really hope you can find those people who can relate to the work that you're doing and share in it and praise you and just support each other because yeah it's 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 really it's really hard work <laughs> and a lot of it's really uncomfortable uh to take a really hard look painful but solidarity for you taking uh, taking some steps and it sounds like you might know what you want and I just got to figure out how to get there and i hope some of some of what we had to say was helpful to do today is to have a little bit of a reflect on season two, the season that was what we thought it might be, what it actually was. <laughs> what 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 are your first thoughts on season two, Lauren? Well, just coming off the back of answering
0: that question and really going into the body stuff again, it just really reflected back to me about how much I am grateful for the experience of getting to make this. Like I was really sort of dreading answering that question almost because I was coming from a low place and I have really struggled with body stuff and weight stuff and the listener's question really encouraged me to think back in what have I done what have been some of my turning points what are the things that helps what's the compassion I'm trying to practice and it actually just reinforced a lot of the progress that I've made and stuff and I was like wow it's really helpful to talk through that kind of stuff and I'm so grateful that this process helps me actually do it. So
1: I just felt really happy about that. Yeah, no, that's really beautiful. Like as we were you know, chatting in the not to be published section. Yeah, it's truly like things that I've never heard you say before. And I think, yeah, asking yourself and others interesting questions about how you think about the world we're living in, how you relate to it, how you relate to yourself, can just be really, really rich areas um, that help us grow and think in new ways. In this season, I've been very excited with, like, I think the, the quality of the audio has been awesome. I think Lauren's done an awesome job there. And uh, it was so nice uh, adding in, like, little sections. And, you know, I just listened to an episode of this podcast and I'm like, wow, that sounds, that sounds pretty fucking good. Like, wait. We we made that like and it's it feels really uh, I, it just makes me feel really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like we have just had incredible interviews. I mean, you don't want to play with favorites, but I feel like I have absolutely loved doing recent re-listens with the Sir James interview. Absolutely love the Hien interview. I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's given the time and energy. Even if you just get a little slice when you listen to the podcast, there's so much more that goes into it. Lots on the cutting room floor, lots of generosity with these people. And I'm already really excited with a bunch of the uh, interviews that we'll have for season three. That's right. You heard it here. There will be a season three, which we're very excited by. And we would love to hear from you about more changes and more improvements that we can we can make.
1: Yeah, no, I'm very excited. I think we have some things, some things coming up that you will really enjoy and some yeah, some in- interesting perspectives from people doing interesting things that uh yeah they take a loud brain so I i have a good feeling i think it's a really nice place too to you know acknowledge that maybe this season took a little bit longer than we had hoped like we're actually at today the day that we're recording this we are pretty much at our one year anniversary which is really exciting to have been doing and thinking about this project for a whole year and I really don't think we thought that the pandemic would still be affecting our lives in such large ways, which, you know, it has made sometimes it hard to keep dates that we've had, at least in our heads, because that's the thing, right? Is like, this is a passion project that we do for pleasure and we try and have a, a healthy ethos with each other with how we produce it and that life comes first, things change, be flexible. So I'm really excited to to see how we undertake Season 3. Uh, and yes, as Lauren said, questions would be awesome. And it would be awesome if you're enjoying the show, if you could please share it with people that you think would get some value out of it. Or just bloody well enjoy us. Either is fine. Any reason you have under your hat, uh, I would be delighted. But even if it's you thought we were silly, like I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But genuinely, everyone who's listened, everyone who's given feedback, everyone who's given a review, it really means so much. It gives us a huge smile. It makes us feel seen and listened to and appreciated. And even if you don't agree with us, just you spending the time to listen to what someone's making, something that's come out of the pandemic. Something that is as raw and bleeding and <laughs> messy as what Vix and I make sometimes. You choosing to spend your time listening to it. And when we hear about what it's meant to you or the conversations it's helped you have, it really makes us super proud and makes us absolutely super happy. So thank you so much. And those ushy gushy feelings is why we'll come back for
1: a season three. Yeah, ah, oh, very passionate about uh, the bravery to be vulnerable, inspiring others that being vulnerable and to be seen in more of their entirety is okay and awesome.
0: And uncomfortable Yep. Very find it, find oh my! Exciting. Sometimes it's really <laughs> fucking
1: uncomfortable! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Incredible. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. We're going to be putting the finishing touches on a plan for Season 3. So we will be back as soon as we do have a hard day planned. We will let you lovely little bunnies know In the meantime, of course, we're still going to be on Twitter. We are at Done Wonderfully. You can always anonymously message us at CuriousCat.QA forward slash Wonderfully Done. Wonderfully Done is listed on many, many different podcast websites. A review on any of those, especially written reviews. The algorithm just eats that up. We'd love to collect some more listeners while we are on that little break before season three. And we'll see you on the flip side. And
1: hey. You're doing wonderfully.